2: My guest for the first half hour is Jeff Mose. He's the partner at Frederick Financial Group. Welcome to the show, Jeff.
3: Jordan, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you today.
2: Let's just start with your background a little bit in the financial industry. You've been at it a long time. Your background, uh, and then what kind of services Frederick Financial Group offers? Uh,
3: Fourteen years as a financial professional, and our uh, services include investments, annuities, uh, retirement planning, and tax advisory.
2: Okay, so one of the things you pointed out to me is that a lot of people in America, one out of three, are on the verge of financial ruin. What do you mean, what are are some of the things that were found in that recent study, and what are some of your conclusions from that?
3: Well, one of the things that stands out is that the age brackets of this research, and what they mean by financial ruin, Jordan, to to put a face on that, uh, it could be that you have one major expense, a dental expense, a medical expense, uh, automobile uh of course an automobile expense a major expense could keep you from being able to get to work to maintain your job to maintain a uh, an inflow of income so one just major expense and uh, it's interesting because when you look at uh, the millennial age group it's one out of 5 uh you know then you get into gen xers and it's about one in 3 but as you get into the older age group of seniors it's almost uh two out of every 5 or on the verge of financial ruin so there are different reasons for different age groups. And if you were in one of those age groups, let's say that you were just out of college, most of that is college debt or maybe some credit card debt. And there's still time and there's still hope there. There's still things that you can do, even a second or tertiary job. But as you get older in those senior years, uh, it might not have been your own doing. I think quite often when people read reports like this, Jordan, And as a financial professional yourself, you know that everybody's story is different. It's not that everybody was just sitting and spending money on the Internet or a home shopping type of thing or just being flippant with money. But life gets in the way. Things that you hadn't – things you just hadn't expected.
2: Particularly with older people, in the past, you would have thought that they kind of had paid their debt off. They were mortgage-free by the time they got to retirement. But you're saying that's really changed – What is it specifically with older people, those, say, 50-plus, that is getting them into debt and continuing to have debt, including mortgage debt, which in the past they probably would have had paid off by them?
3: Well, it's a variety of different things, and that's a good question, because um, it's kind of like we're in America's new retirement right now, Jordan. Uh, You know, a lot of folks don't have pensions anymore. They have uh, defined contribution plans that, that you and I may have and know as a 401k or a Savings plan if we work for the federal government or an IRA. Uh, But those types of investment interest, uh, unfortunately, have been affected adversely by uh, the market adjustment in 2000. Of course, uh, the most recent uh, Great Recession uh, affected a lot of that. But the other side of it is that, right, well, over the past five years, one out of every five workers between the ages of 45 and 74 have had to take a leave from their job to care for an adult family member. So when you have to take time off of work, not only are you in jeopardy of losing your job, but there's also the financial need that for that parent that you're caring for. But then this one jumps out because uh, a lot of us have this, one out of four one out of four Americans have stated that paying for their children's education has hindered their ability to save for retirement, which means that they're probably taking a home equity line of credit. Maybe they have uh, borrowed against their or borrowed from their 401k. But whatever it is, that is, that is reducing their net worth. And of course, this one just jumps out. And, and we don't, I just don't think that uh, as Americans, we, we think of this sometimes, but do you realize that 35% of 65-year-olds and older rely completely on Social Security for their sole source of income?
2: They just haven't saved anything, is what you're saying?
3: It could have been because of nursing home spend-down, yeah. uh, you it know, could have been a, a number of different things, but that's the difference, that's the millennial difference that's happening in our society. Uh, decades ago, uh, it would have not have been unusual for the parent to move in and with the child because uh, they lived cross town. And now, all of a sudden, if you live in San Antonio and your parents are in Chicago, it's tough for you to b- provide daycare for them or in-home care. So the additional cost. And then something else that has really kind of jumped out as a society is the sandwich generation. Because we are living longer, now we have people that are in their retirement years that have their a parent, if not two, living with them. And then, of course, because of employment influences or lack of employment influences, their children have moved, have graduated college, but are, could possibly be moving back in with them. Now you have literally three households being in one household and living off of one household's income.
2: So, so there's a lot of different
3: influences.
2: You are a financial advisor. If you have parents coming to you uh, and their kid's about to go to college, um, and he can't get enough, either he hasn't saved enough or hasn't, can't get enough scholarships or loans on their own, do you recommend that the parents do exactly what you said, take out home equity lines of credit and borrow against their 401k to do the kid's education, or, or is that not a good idea?
3: Actually, uh, we care for the client first, for the retiree first and their retirement years, and then the concern is for the college education of, the, of their child, and here's why. A lot of times the child could be going to, let's say, a community college, which would be uh, less expensive. They could work, stay home, build some resources underneath of them. And I'm not going to equate a community college's first two years with Harvard or Yale, uh, the first two years there. But if you were attending most universities in America, biology is biology wherever you take it. Geography is geography. The core elements of your freshman and sophomore years are pretty basic. So a number of people, their children are seeing the benefit of staying local, uh, maybe staying at home, uh, working part-time, because here again, something that we, <laughs> I know that college students, and as a former college student, I didn't understand at the time, but I thought carrying 15 hours was a tremendous load in college. And when I took 18 hours, it was really worse. But then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, if you're working a 40- or 50-hour work week, where's those other hours? You can still have time to study, get your grades, And still work. So most of the time, when we're working with our clients, it's your retirement first, and then we'll look for a way through student loans, um, as you said, some scholarships, some state grants. Even though Pell's have changed, those types of things. But we don't like stealing from Peter to pay Paul.
2: So you're saying a lot of people do that. They sacrifice their own retirements, and then by the time they get to retirement, they've got these student loans to pay off Parent Plus loans or. HELOCs or 401k loans and they're, they're hurting themselves. But it, okay, so they, say your kids don't go to community college and they go to a four-year school that's $30,000, $50,000 a year. and They don't take the community college route and the parents don't have enough. What do you suggest for somebody in that circumstance?
3: Uh, for the, for the parent you're referring to. Yes, for the parents, parents correct. Mm -hmm. For the parent, once that money's gone, then there's, then there's, the the hard questions are going to have to be, what do you see your retirement to be? How long do you see yourself working? How long will you be able to work at your job? Because one of the manifestations of of an aging America is corporate America. Once you start getting into your 60s, Jordan, if you were 60 years old and you're working a manufacturing job, and let's say you're 63 or 62 or 63, your health care costs to the company have almost doubled. And that dramatically changes the corporate view of you as an employee, because let's say you've worked for the company for 30 years. You've had 30 years of merit and and, uh, cost of living raises, but now all of a sudden, just the health care costs for you and your wife alone are more than they were when it was you and your wife and your two children when you were younger because the children have what they call one-offs, maybe a tonsillitis, an appendectomy, a broken wrist, a broken leg. But when you get older, now you're on maintenance and you and your wife might be on prescription medicines for hypertension, heart disease, cholesterol, whatever. And then the company comes to you and says, Jordan, you've been a great employee, but you know something? Uh, we need you to do they'll, – they'll create something for you. They can't come right out and fire, but they'll make you a, a package deal. And that package deal might say, we're going to give you health care coverage for so long. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, you know, Bill over there in the other department didn't take the company buyout. And he got – ended up getting fired and didn't get any package. So I'm going to take it. So you take the package. All of a sudden you turn 64, your health care uh, uh, ends from the company, and now you've got one year to bridge until Medicare, and your, let's say that, for example, your uh, cobra is about 15 to 1,800 dollars a month that you hadn't planned for. So there's an additional cost. So there's a real changing landscape as far as retirement in America is concerned, but, but you know to circle back here a little bit on the, on the financial ruin side of it. We feel that one of the real reasons that people really just don't understand financial affairs is that it's almost like sex education, Jordan. The parents think that the schools are teaching it, and the schools think the parents are teaching it. Yeah. So all of a sudden, and you've probably done this in your career, you sit down and you're talking to somebody across the table, and you're explaining simple or compound interest, and they have no idea what you're talking about.
2: Yes. Would you agree? <laughs> Yeah, no, there's a big lack of financial education out there. What are some of the resources you refer people to to become more financially educated, both the kids and the parents, so they're better able to make these major life financial decisions?
3: Uh, well, as you well know, um, I'd recommend your book. I mean, that would be okay. one of the first places <laughs> I would start, uh, and and that's not a shameless uh, promotion. That's I believe in that, and I'm familiar with your book, uh, because there are a host of resources, uh, again, in uh, and the, and the local community, whether there's a four-year school or a uh, community college, there are, are some excellent classes being taught on the basics of, of money and finance. Uh, I actually think that uh, as part of a, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't want to date either of us here, but when I was in school, uh, you had mechanical drawing and wood shop and metal shop and this type of thing. Uh, I'd like to see a uh, high school's institute across the board a senior, a class as a senior, that explains to you mortgages, insurance, financing, so that, you know, you have a better understanding when you're getting into the world. And uh, that would be another way. We do, we're we're passionate, at, at Frederick Financial Group, we're passionate about financial education. And we do seminars, we do training classes with the Department of Aging. Uh, anyone and everyone that we can ever get an opportunity to go out and speak to, uh, we do that. And it's amazing within communities, and this is sometimes when people contact us who are experiencing debt levels that are crushing to them, uh, because if you have debt, you sometimes are embarrassed about it, even though it wasn't anything of your own doing, the if I'll steal from or appropriate from uh, a major ad campaign, the if in life, has jumped up and and taken a uh, hit at you, Uh, you don't know where to turn. And sometimes you're embarrassed about it. But you need to be able to talk to either your family or even your friends or reach out to, in some cases, clergy. Uh, You know, maybe your pastor or your rabbi or your minister knows somebody that you can talk to or maybe they even uh, have classes like that at the church as a support group. Uh, we also encourage, uh, depending on where you live, uh, I'm in Maryland, and every county in the state of Maryland and Baltimore City has a uh, Department of Aging that does classes on finance, Medicare, Social Security, a host of things, and they are all complementary. There is no charge for them.
2: Okay, we have to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this half hour is Jeff Mose. He's the partner at Frederick Financial Group uh, based in Maryland.
4: It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of
0: experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome
2: back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, this half hour, is Jeff Mose. He's the partner at Frederick Financial Group based in Maryland. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Thank you very much, Jordan. So there are different kinds of debt at different ages that people are getting into. Why don't you kind of briefly go through uh, what debt is appropriate, what's not appropriate, as people kind of go through the life cycle?
3: Absolutely. Uh, For you, you've just graduated college. Uh, You know, it's the the standard college debt load that most of of us have. Uh, Then, of course, you know, there's the attractiveness and the ease of plastic credit, uh, revolving credit plans, as they used to be called. And so, consequently you come out with one foot on a banana peel right away. And that leads a lot of folks to be in a position to have to move home. So that's, that's a, that seems to be the baseline right now for most people graduating from college or leaving college uh, without a degree is carrying that type of debt, student loan debt. And there's a lot of debate on Capitol Hill right now about the percentage of interest being charged on that. Should there even be interest charged on it? Uh, here we're trying to encourage people to uh, get educated, to get better jobs, be contributing members of society, and then our own federal government is charging an interest rate on that.
2: Do you think that anything will change on that front? I mean, we does, they changed the program in 2009 uh, to right. make it a floating interest rate. Do, do you think that will change again on student loans?
3: Uh, I'll tell you, uh, I, I wish it would. Uh, because I had student loans and, and I had a nice low set interest rate that, uh, you know, w- w- which was fair, but the uh, floating rate doesn't seem to be floating downward. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's the tough part of that. And, um, you know, once you realize the uh, the uh, incongruity of, of compound interest on debt, it's a wonderful thing, as Einstein said, it's the eighth wonder of the world when you're earning it, but when you're paying it, it's more of a pain in the tush. Uh, So consequently, uh, I'd like to see and would encourage that there just be a flat rate, a low flat rate, uh, so that that students aren't coming out and and paying, you know, eight cents on every dollar for for their education.
2: So that's the college part. And then going into the middle years, uh, what kind of debt is appropriate and what debt is not appropriate as you're starting to have kids and a family and buying a home and so on?
3: A lot of the debt that we see is, uh, it's like growing too fast. And let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, you, we, you get married, you uh, are in your first apartment, you have your first child, and of course there's increased expenses there. And your first desire, if the market uh, agrees with uh, your personal finance situation, is extending yourself into buying your first home or townhouse, uh, you know, uh, an independent uh, Single dwelling type of of thing, so right away you carry mortgage debt. And what a lot of folks don't realize is that when you take that on, well, when we bought our first home, we weren't calculating uh, lawn mowers and gasoline and property uh, taxes and homeowners insurance and utilities and uh, new technologies. Uh, you know that that were emerging that added to our monthly debt load. Um, if you'll remember, uh, you know a lot of the things like broadband that you have now. Even 10, 15, 20 years ago, that was not a, uh, a monthly expense. So it's usually the new family startup. Then there's also the continuation of education. You're taking on uh, the college debt of going for your master's degree to enhance your your uh, credibility and your resourcefulness to be an employee and your value to a company. So there's additional student loan debt if your employer is not so inclined to, to uh, support that in some way. And also then there is a reduction of household income that can be influenced because one of the spouses is a stay-at-home spouse during the birth of a child and the early years of a child. So, so basically what you're
2: saying is people are underestimating the expenses and maybe overestimating the income. And that's where they get into a squeeze once they acquire a house and start a family.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And unfortunately, as we both know all too well from, from the uh, research that was provided – uh, during the adjustable rate mortgage uh, times when people were signing up for those because it looked so attractive. And then, of course, rates escalated. Uh, people just got caught in that conundrum. So,
2: so if you're, there again,
3: if, things that people, they looked good on the surface. And who would have ever thought that there would be a change in the environment of, of the economy and or the markets? And we have to remember that they're two separate entities uh, that that people you know would take that that glaring oh that can never happen and this looks real good so let's live for now
2: so a lot of people in that age group now are not buying homes because of this and they're renting many more millennials are renting uh if you're advising somebody in that circumstance do you think in many more cases it makes sense to rent instead of buy and take on the expenses you mentioned
3: well, I many years ago, uh, I met a gentleman who wrote a book about uh, if you were owning a home and you didn't use the equity in it to uh, to expand the value, you were making a mistake. But his second book dealt with why you should rent and never own. Because he says the American dream is turning into a nightmare. Because, uh, you know, you build the equity in your home, but you fail to realize all the expenses that are occurred that you'll never recoup your, your property taxes, your homeowners insurance, the yeah. remodelings, uh, so on and so forth. So uh, sometimes, and I'm not saying it's for everyone, but the American dream coming out of World War II is a little bit different now in 2015 than it was back in the 1950s.
2: So you, these are the kind of advice you're giving to people. Uh, is making these decisions on the college stuff. You mentioned taking care of yourself first as far as putting money aside for your retirement instead of your kids, uh, the home buying versus renting decision. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what people can find out at the website you have, which is uh, frederickfinancialgroup.com, right? That's or well,
3: frederickfinancialgroup.com is comprised, there are three companies that make up the, the financial group. Uh, Frederick Advisors is our investment arm, Liberty Insurance handles annuities and life insurance, and Frederick Tax Pro is our tax advisory arm, and collectively that allows us under one roof to provide uh, complete uh, portfolio and resource management to our clients. Uh, be it tax advising, uh, you know, on the effects of if I sell some positions or liquidate this or. Uh, you know, on the insurance side, it may be the availability of uh, integrating an annuity, a fixed annuity, into the to, the total portfolio for, for future retirement income. Uh, and as we speak, we're also uh, interviewing right now to add uh, Medicare supplement insurance to our portfolio of offerings.
2: Do you have uh, clients all over the country, or just in Maryland?
3: Uh, Primarily Maryland and the Mid-Atlantic. Maryland, uh, Virginia, Pennsylvania, but I also, we do have clients around the United States.
2: Okay. Let's talk about insurance briefly. As you mentioned, you have a division called Liberty Insurance. When is it appropriate to have an annuity, and when is it not appropriate? And do you like fixed or variable annuities?
3: Well, I have to say that I prefer fixed annuities. Uh, And I don't think that a lot of people understand the difference between variables and fixed or fixed indexed annuities. Uh, that's the first thing. You know, it's when when we're doing an educational seminar and we use the word annuity, the very first thing is we break it out. That just like there's cars and trucks, but they're both transportation. Annuities have variable and fixed or fixed indexed. Uh, I like them because one of the things that's changing in America. <clears throat> Jordan, let me ask you. I'll, I'll I'll put you as the client in this case. Jordan, you're 40 years old, and I'm about to offer you your dream job. This is what you have dreamed of as you were a kid, what you went to college for, what your master's work is, and I'm, and you have a wife and two children, and I'm going to offer you at age 40 your dream job. Corner office, personal assistant, you know, all of the perks. And then I tell you I'm going to start you at $80,000 a year, but, oh, by the way, I can never give you a raise.
2: Oh. Well, it happens so now some all of a sudden,
3: that <laughs> macro class that you took, that macroeconomics class you took in college, uh, or you may remember Ronald Reagan's famous statement, 3% inflation over 25 years reduces your purchasing power by 50%. Right. So, right. so now all of a sudden you're thinking, when I turn 65, I'm essentially going to be making $40,000 a year. Yes. So you more than likely will not take the job, even though it's a heartbreaker because it's what you have wanted all your life.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Now let's move forward 25 years. And you're 65 years old now, Jordan. And you're about to start your second dream job, and that is retirement. And you are going to be the CEO of your company. So now, all of a sudden, as you go and you're doing your planning, and I sit down with you and I say, Jordan, boy, this looks great. You know, you've got some your savings, uh, you know, your 401k and everything. But there's just one thing that I'd like to ask you: if your life expectancy is 90 what's your strategy to give yourself periodic pay raises over the next 25 years? Because if you wouldn't have taken your dream job at 40 without the ability to increase your income, where's your strategy when you retire at 65 with a life expectancy of 90 right now to give yourself pay raises over the next 25 years? So
2: how do you get pay raises from a fixed annuity?
3: From a fixed annuity or a fixed indexed annuity, and I would say uh, either one. But uh, with a fixed annuity, you can stagger them or ladder them is a jargon uh, in the industry and periodically annuitize them and turn that into an additional income stream. If you do not need the income, then you don't annuitize it and it would become a beneficiary for your spouse that could help replace a reduction in Social Security or a reduction just in general spending money to offset inflation or against future increases in health care costs, which they're now projecting to be in hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, over the lifespan of seniors. So there's that aspect of it. A fixed indexed annuity now come with income riders, and I don't want to mislead everybody when you hear 7%, but it compounds at 7% If you use that money for an income stream, so at age, let's say, for example, at age 70, you decide that, and this is non-qualified money, or qualified, it doesn't matter, but at age 70, you say, you know, we could use a little bit more money every month. And you turn that on, and you have income for the rest of your life. The nice thing about it is if you hit the lottery, you can turn it off. But that's another way to, through a fixed or a fixed indexed annuity with an income rider... Have the ability to periodically increase your salary, your income. And, uh, you know, I like calling it paychecks yes. uh, because I don't think we, you know, just on April 15th, we, had, we all had our taxes. We all did our federal taxes. But we don't even say income taxes anymore, Jordan. We just say, I have to get my taxes done. Well, I just yep. paid my taxes or I got this refund on my taxes. We have lost the, the, the word income. And when we start talking with our clients about planning for their retirement income, some of them look at you like you're crazy, you know, because you'll say, well, yeah, you have a 401k, you have no pension. Your 401k has $400,000 in it. If you take 5% a year pre-tax, that's 20000 plus your Social Security. Do you think you could live on $34,000 a year? And they go, no, I refinanced my house to pay for my daughter's
2: wedding. Right. This happens all the time. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Uh, My guest this half hour has been Jeff Mose. He's the partner at Frederick Financial Group uh, in Maryland. Uh, Their website is frederickfinancialgroup.com. Covered a lot of very interesting things, Jeff, and I appreciate you being a guest on the Money Answer Show.
3: Jordan, it was a pleasure joining you today.
2: Thanks very much. And we're going to take a break now, and I'll be back uh, after the break with Andrew Ahrens, who is the managing partner at Synergy Advisory Management Group. We'll be back after this.
0: Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll free. 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network. Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in government, the legal arena, and the business world impacts your business every day, and we're going to take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of it all. Each week, we'll bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers and leaders. Squire Patton Boggs will be your guide as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join us for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Channel each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time.
4: It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome
2: back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Andrew Ahrens. He's the managing partner at Synergy Advisory Management Group which is based in Hackensack, New Jersey. Welcome to the show, Andrew.
5: Thanks, Jordan. Glad to be here.
2: Let's start with your background a little bit and your financial experience leading up to the creation of Synergy Advisory.
5: Well, I started my career back in uh, 1993. I worked for uh, some of the larger brokerage firms, and uh, I had an interesting career there that was pretty successful. Uh, And then what I noticed... uh, Right around 1999 was uh, a lot of people were uh, doing their trades uh, by themselves on the Internet. And interestingly enough, uh, I was hired by Charles Schwab, that was one of the leaders in Internet trading. Uh, So I worked there for several years, um, and things were going very, very well. But I did decide in 2003 to uh, go independent and start my own um, independent wealth management firm.
2: And what kind of services do you offer at the firm?
5: Well, we, we offer uh, traditional uh, retirement planning services. Uh, we've got a certified financial planner, on uh, several certified financial planners on staff. We have um, insurance-licensed personnel as well. Uh, we do long-term care. We do investments. So we kind of do the full gamut.
2: And do you have clients all over the country or mostly in the New Jersey area?
5: Um, I would say that most of our clients uh, are in the tri-state area, though many of them have remained with us over the years. So right now, uh, we're licensed in, I believe, 12 to 14 states.
2: And your website is synergyamg.com. What can people find at that website?
5: Well, they can go on there. Uh, They can uh, get some good articles on retirement planning. Uh, There's some retirement planning calculators on there as well, and, um, you know, Just different uh, accesses to different links so they could go on different websites that we think are important for our clients.
2: Now, your overall point is you think we're uh, at at what you call a perfect storm uh, in in a crisis for people not saving enough for retirement, um, and they're going to be running into real trouble. It's already happening to some extent as more and more people are retiring every day. Kind of Give us an overview of how you see the financial situation for people approaching retirement who are not really financially ready for it.
5: Well, you know, I I kind of see that, um, you know, we give a lot of courses in the area, a lot of colleges and universities, and a lot of people come through my courses, and part of doing that, putting a financial plan together for them. And when we look at most people, most people haven't really saved enough. Uh, And we look at the statistics overall in the U.S., and it seems that most people typically have two to three times what their income is saved for retirement. Now, that may sound like a a good amount, but what people aren't really uh, uh, looking into is the fact that they may be living quite a bit longer, and we also have inflation in this country, and we have the uh, rise of healthcare expenses that continue on and on. And coupled uh, with right now that the fact that uh, interest rates are so low, many people that were, you know, interested in just... Uh, buying CDs or getting income off of bonds, this has not been happening for a while. So, uh, we have to look at different, you know, asset allocation uh, and get people educated about, you know, how they should have their money situated for retirement.
2: So, as you say, even if people have saved a good amount, and they're sitting there in CDs and savings accounts and money funds and treasury bills earning nothing, what kind of asset allocation do you recommend to them to make their money grow without taking too much capital risk?
5: Well, I mean, you know, that's that's based off, off of each individual's risk tolerance themselves. But what I have noticed is either people are just too aggressive in the markets or they're just totally uh, too conservative. And, um, you know, many people are conservative thinking that they're going to uh, mitigate risk, but by doing so they're giving up the opportunity for long-term growth potential, which, you know, they may at some point with their money. So that's a major concern. Uh, there are a lot of products that are out there that, that clients just are not um, that you know they, they don't they're not educated about. They don't understand uh, you know how REITs work. Uh, the real estate market in this country has done particularly well uh, the last couple of years, and I'm not even talking about non-traded REITs, just REITs in general. Uh, real estate investment trusts have done quite well, uh, along with. Other alternatives, um, there's some uh, master limited partnerships that have done okay uh, for income purposes. And we're just trying to get people into somewhat of a balanced portfolio so they can at least, you know, keep up with inflation. I mean, one very alarming statistic uh, that that J.P. Morgan put out recently was that the fact that the S&P 500 has annualized returns of 9.9% over the past 20 years, And uh, even if someone was in a balanced portfolio, 50-50, or what we call 60-40, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, this has managed to return about 8.7%. However, the average investor has only eked out 2.5%. And
2: And why is that? Because they're jumping in and out of the market?
5: Well, I think that's because um, a lot of people are jumping in and out of the market. They're over-trading. They're under-diversified. And a lot of times what we see are people are performance chasing. They're buying what was, you know, some of the best returns of the of the last several years, and that just doesn't really work uh, as we move forward in the market.
2: So let's talk about two of the areas you just mentioned, REITs and MLPs. In the REIT area, are there some specific REITs that you like or kinds of REITs, offices or apartment REITs or medical building? What kind of REITs do you like? And maybe you have a name or two of some REITs you've recommended.
5: Well, I mean, I... I, I really am just looking at the indices. I'm not really, uh, you know, focusing on one particular REIT. Uh, we just want to make sure that people are diversified in what they choose. I mean, Vanguard has some pretty good REIT uh, alternatives that are out there and have done quite well in the marketplace. Do, also- do you like
2: mutual funds, then? you like uh, mutual funds or exchange-traded funds in these areas instead of individual ones?
5: Yeah, I prefer uh, going with exchange-traded funds uh, for most of my clients in these areas. Uh, the only same, because,
2: I'm sorry? The same for MLPs
5: as well? The same for MLPs as well. We're using basically ETFs.
2: I see. And that's because it's diversified. You don't have to pick individual ones, and the, uh, the costs are lower. Is that the idea?
5: That's the idea. costs are lower, and, and if, if someone needs to get out of an investment uh, you know, during the market, uh, they're able to get out intraday. Many people don't realize that mutual funds, you have to uh, basically sell it at the end of the day.
2: Yeah. Uh, another area you specialize in is annuities and insurance annuities. Do you like fixed or variable annuities, and what role do those play in somebody's portfolio?
5: Well, in our particular practice, uh, we, we tend to use both. Um, it really depends on you know what the sophistication is of the investor and what their risk tolerances are. With regards to the fixed index annuity, uh, the costs are very, very low, even with income riders. Uh, But you're also, you know, for the low cost, you're giving up some upside as to, you know, what you can earn. And there are some fixed index annuities right now that have some crediting methods that they call uncapped. Uh, But even these uh, uncapped methods have what are called spreads in there that could typically eat away at some of the uh, performance. But, you know, we're looking at all alternatives that are out there. Uh, There's the typical uh, point-to-point fixed-index annuity where it's tied to the S&P 500 and you hold the contract for one year and you kind of see where the S&P was on the day you took it out and then you see where it is one year later with a cap. And right around now in the marketplace, uh, I think one of the best caps you can get is around 5%.
2: Meaning the most you can earn is 5% in a year?
5: Right. On an S&P 500 point-to-point cap would be about 5% here in the state of New Jersey.
2: Okay. So I I didn't quite understand what you were saying. I'd like more detail on you were saying there are some fixed index annuities that are uncapped, meaning there's no limit as to what they can return, but you're giving something back on that. So explain that a little further.
5: A lot of the insurance carriers have gotten pretty creative, and there's some uh, crediting methods that are out there that they call uncapped. These are typically balanced strategies that are out there. Uh, There's some dividend strategies that are out there. Um, But what they have is they have what's called a spread. So let's just say that, um, I don't know, an an S&P dividend strategy might have done say 7% as an example. If there's a 1.5% spread, uh, the client's really only getting 5.5%.
2: But you think that's a good idea, or not? it's not good to give up that spread or in, in return well, to the uncapped?
5: I don't think it's a bad idea um, that people diversify amongst different types of crediting methods. You could do, uh, you may do, you know, uh, an example may be, you may pick out four different crediting methods and put, you know, 25% in each crediting method. Um, I think that the returns you can look for, are typically somewhere between 4 and 6%, which is better than most people are getting in the bank. However, if you're, you know, a more uh, aggressive investor and you're willing to purchase a variable annuity, well, basically, you know, the sky's the limit on what the returns may be, but then we've got to look at what the expense ratios are. And some people uh, out in the uh, media and some people, um, you know, who are writing different blogs on uh, variable annuities are saying that the... Expense ratios are very, very high. But uh, when you look at the actual methods that some of these uh, plans are used to calculating income, they're actually very good. I mean, some, some plans have the ability to lock in on a monthly basis, on a daily basis, on a quarterly basis, meaning that if you were to have a regular mutual fund and you were to be able to lock in on the highest, say, month of the... Uh, year, you might do considerably better than if you just bought you know just had a regular mutual fund. And yes, there are uh, costs associated with this, uh, but many times in the markets that we've been having, which have been good markets, people have done quite well.
2: Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this half hour is Andrew Ahrens. He's the managing partner at Synergy Advisory Management Group based in Hackensack, New Jersey. Their website is SynergyAMG.com. We'll be back after this.
5: From the
4: boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: What if every day was a good day for business because every decision you made was the best choice? What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN.
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answers Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this
2: half hour is Andrew Ahrens, managing partner at Synergy Advisory Management Group in Hackensack, New Jersey. Their website is synergyamg.com. Welcome back to the show, Andrew.
5: Thank you. So we're talking
2: about retirement planning. one of the things you say is going to be happening is possibly future changes to social security that's going to affect when people can take it and what they should assume what What kind of changes are do you think people should be expecting out of social security
5: well i mean i'm not sure exactly what's going to happen I mean they could change the uh, they could change you know when people are eligible to take it it could be a later date uh, you know the, they may not uh, raise uh, you know the the um, Level for inflation on social security down the road, so you may not keep up with um, you know actual inflation in this country. I mean you know we have most seniors are dealing with inflation of you know two and a half three percent, and then we're talking about even more uh, with regards to uh, rising health care costs in this country of uh, over six percent so uh, that's what I think uh, you know people need to be aware that social security is not going to be there, uh, maybe in the same fashion that it is for us now, uh, but with regards to uh, many people need to almost think about, you know, having 60% of their own source for retirement. Uh, Social Security is just not going to cut it for most people in retirement.
2: And unfortunately... So you're people are relying too much on Social Security for what it's going to be able to provide going forward? I, I believe that, yes. Yes. And
5: I think the statistics show that as well.
2: But you're not worried about the complete solvency of the program. People say Social Security won't be there for me when I retire. You're saying it's going to be there, but maybe at a reduced level from what people are getting today.
5: I think that may be the case. That's
2: correct. Yes. Now, one of the big things you talk about is the sandwich generation and the problems of taking care of elderly parents while helping their adult kids, maybe coming back from college. What, what do you advise to clients who are in the sandwich generation problem, who are trying to save for their own retirement – they're helping their kids. They may be helping their elderly parents. What do you advise for people in that circumstance? Well, you know,
5: it's a it's a really tough situation. Um, I think people, you know, need to uh, be able to help out as much as they can, um, you know, with their parents and, and their children. Uh, but also, you know, uh, they need to uh, worry about themselves for retirement. Uh, you know, it may be that, uh, you know, children take out loans and things like that. Um, you know, and, and with regards to helping parents, I think that, you know, hopefully, uh, the parents have long term care and, and have some source, uh, responsible to pay some of these costs. But, um, uh, you know, people really need to kind of just map out a plan, uh, for themselves. And, you know, sometimes, like I said earlier, uh, that could be just taking either loans out, uh, or also just, uh, Using finance properly, uh, many people uh, still today, you know, they may have um, their house paid off, and yes, that sounds great for retirement. Uh, but right now, rates are so low. Right now, so um, it may be a good idea, you know, to even tap into uh, their home equity if they have to.
2: So you're saying a lot of people sacrifice their own financial situation, their own retirement planning, to take care of the elderly parents and the kids, and puts them at the peril themselves. Is that what you're saying? That that's what I'm saying. We see
5: that happen all the time,
2: and the way around that is to save for themselves, maybe using some of the annuities you talked about or other kind of protected plans.
5: Right, I think that I think that some people, you know, definitely need to have some some protection uh, with regards to their retirement. Uh, you know, we don't want to see someone get into retirement uh, and all of a sudden, you know, we see the market go down twenty five to thirty percent. We have a correction. Uh, you know, right now we're we're in like the longest. Uh, bull market that we've ever seen right now. And uh, corrections happen. I mean, it, you know, the markets are cyclical. It's bound to happen at some point. I don't have the crystal ball to tell clients when it's going to happen, but people need to just have some sort of safety net uh, in their portfolio. And one of the things that we try to do with people is we try to make sure that they have uh, a steady stream of income coming in uh, for retirement, it may not be you know 100 of what their goal is, but we try to make sure we get as close to possible, if we could, uh, to get, have a guaranteed income source
2: in retirement. So a lot of people are not taking the advice you're talking about. Actually, they're they're getting to retirement with little, and as you say, a huge number of them are retiring on Social Security alone. What is going to happen societally to these people who are in retirement who don't can't get jobs because they're too old or sick or can't work really? Uh, what is going to happen to them if they haven't saved enough, they're living on Social Security alone. Is there going to be some kind of a, a government bailout? Or, you know, what's going to happen going <laughs> or, We have the baby boom retiring at 10000 right, a day. The, right. We have the baby boomers retiring. I don't know if there's going to be any sort of a bailout like that. And I think that
5: the burden is really going to be on most families. And I think that, uh, you know, people just really need to be educated as to what their choices are. And people need to start to make some smart decisions uh... you know for their retirement like i said earlier in the show you know we had times of uh... you know five ten fifteen percent uh... interest rates and people over the years have been very very accustomed to getting you know good rates it hasn't been the case since the financial crisis and for many years people just have done nothing we see people that come through our courses all the time and their money is just sitting in cash and uh, I read something uh, pretty alarming recently that I think close to uh, 50% of the people that might have been in the market uh, that are, you know, close to retirement have never really gotten fully back in. And, yeah. uh, you know, we've seen the market really do well, and people are just still scared to get back into the market, and um, especially now with the market hitting new highs right now, um, you know, the situation is either, even bleaker than it might be otherwise.
2: So they're so-called being safe, but in fact they're not being safe because their money is earning nothing and they're missing out on all this growth opportunities, is what you're saying.
5: And also couple of that with inflation.
2: Uh, you know, you have to throw in that inflation uh, equation because most people
5: don't throw that in there. And... Um, you know that's why that's why I think it's really important for people to understand that you know maybe uh they should have some money in in dividend paying stocks maybe they should look at some strategies that are out there. maybe they should look at some uh uh traded REITs that are out there um uh, maybe they should look at like I said earlier master limited partnerships that are paying uh good dividends uh maybe even now with the energy sector lower and some utilities uh lower that you know getting into the traditional utilities that are paying uh, decent dividends as well. So so get some income
2: going for them, yes.
5: People need to get some income uh, into their portfolios. They just cannot sit on cash.
2: Let's just talk briefly about housing. A lot of people, their main asset that they built up is the value of their home. They're getting to retirement. In many cases, it's more than they can handle between the price of it itself and the property taxes and utilities and insurance and so on. Do you recommend people who are getting to retirement should sell their homes and downsize and maybe even rent, or what do you recommend to people who are, have a lot of home equity but can't really access it as such?
5: Well, I mean, it depends. What what, what some people just don't want to leave their home, and uh, you know, here on the East Coast right now, uh, the, the the real estate market seems to be doing pretty well. So, you know, it, it's kind of a situation where if people are looking to downsize, maybe they're looking to uh, be snowbirds and be in two places, then it makes some sense uh, to downsize for retirement. Um, I know a lot of people are selling uh, their homes and renting. That's been a big trend here in the United States uh, as well. But uh, in my opinion, sometimes when people have uh, quite a bit of money in their home, uh, and we think that the real estate market may look good for a little bit here. It, it may be a, a, a big uh, disappointment if they sell here, market goes higher, and then, you know, they're living off of a, a lower uh, income base. And let's say that they put some of that money into the market, and then we have a correction. So it really depends on the individual. It really depends on, you know, what they want. Um, if people are looking to downsize and try to lower their expenses, and do this, obviously, it makes sense for some people, while on the other end, it may make sense for some people to kind of stay where they're at.
2: Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this half hour has been Andrew Ahrens. He's the managing partner at Synergy Advisory Management Group based in Hackensack, New Jersey. Their website is synergyamg.com. We got a lot of very good advice from Andrew. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Andrew. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now.
1: Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.